My name is Richard Daniels. 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 And I am the archivist for the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is a publication dedicated to exploring some of the strangest and most bizarre locations across the country, where hauntings, curses, cryptids and more have all been reported. I am now custodian of its archive and am gradually exploring many of the lost files in order to re-release them. You can find the case files which are now available at occultariaofalbion.com The Occultaria of Albion can also be found on YouTube and as a podcast. Go deeper and join the fan club for exclusive content. Go to patreon.com forward slash occultaria. Remain vigilant and remember the wolves of weird are loose. Welcome, Occultarians, to this special episode of the Occultaria of Albion audio files. I'm recording this from the OA office somewhere in the Lincolnshire Wolds. This episode is focused on the paranormal and preternatural experiences of members of the OA fan club, a marvellous and mysterious group of people who understand that there is a weirder world which exists right under our noses and who are intent on exploring and learning its topography. In this episode, we will hear their strange experiences told by them in their own words. Stimulating, shocking, and certain to make you wonder what else might be lurking behind the hedgerows, fields, and the suburban streets where you live. Members of the OA fan club are known as Oak Knights. Perhaps there is one living in your neighborhood you can spot them because they will often have a sparkle in their eyes and possibly an Occultaria of Albion badge pinned to their coat or jacket. As already mentioned in the introduction, you too could become an Oak Knight. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash Occultaria for more details. Now, before we hear the first tale, it is important to take a moment to cleanse your psychic sphere so that your mind will not be overcome by what you are about to experience, and the wolves of weird will not scratch at your door. Listen carefully to the following sound, and remember to breathe. Now we are ready. Let us begin. Here is Wesley J. Smith. About 28 years ago, my family and I went on a camping holiday to Wiltshire in the magical west country of England. We decided to go the first week of the six weeks holiday and at the height of crop circle season. I had been an avid follower of the crop circle phenomenon and this was to be my first opportunity to actually see one in person and, farmer permitting, walk inside. As a family, we are all interested in the paranormal and in fact went on this holiday with one of my aunts and her family with the deliberate intent to look at the circles, Avebury Stone Circle, West Kennet Longborough and Glastonbury. Over the duration of the holiday, we had done just that. 
We had been inside several crop circles, spoke to various very friendly people in the know, spent the day at Avebury, had drinks at the famous Red Lion pub, and my mum and aunt had been passed on the stairs by a black-cowled ghostly apparition at the ruins of Glastonbury Abbey. On our penultimate night, it was decided that the whole family would go out sky-watching and see if we could take any photos of UFOs or anything. We didn't really expect to. It was just a good excuse to take in some of the mystical night air. At 8 o'clock p.m. we set out and parked up on the roadside at Adam's Grave, a Neolithic longborough near Alton Barnes. We all trekked up the side of the summit and spent the evening around there. This location was not chosen randomly, as to the right of us was East Field, a field famous for its annual crop circles, in fact so famous that a gentleman kept a small caravan-type trailer permanently parked up there, decked out with video cameras and recording equipment. As the light faded and we all settled down, it was my aunt that first noticed small, tiny pinpricks of light dancing in and out of the field. Naturally, she thought it was her eyes playing tricks. She told us and one by one we all began to see the little lights. They looked like tiny stars that would blink on and then move in straight lines across the field. Then blink and change direction, sometimes doubling back on themselves. There were no sounds of machinery whatsoever coming out of the field. Having walked past East Field on our way from the minibus to Adam's grave, we all noticed that the corn was roughly three foot high. These lights were dancing above the corn and were not men with lamps fabricating crop circles. These strange glints were zipping about the whole field, sometimes two or three at the same time, in different directions. It was after an hour of watching these lights, some of which I had spent trying to desperately get the video camera to work, even though the freshly charged battery was completely flat, that my dad and I noticed to the right of us, on the horizon were two lights that were behaving suspiciously. Both lights were white in the centre, which seemed to fade into orange and then were haloed in red. To me, they looked like two burning coals in the night. They would flare up at ground level, one brighter than the other, then rise up into the night sky, then loop the loop and come hurtling back down to the ground again. We both stared at this for around five minutes until both lights were at ground level and one by one they faded out. Both locations were miles apart, but that night they both shared strange light phenomenon. By this time, the younger members of our family started to get scared of the ensuing alien invasion, so it was decided that we should head back to the campsite. Unfortunately, no crop circles were formed that night. Perhaps they had been disturbed by a bunch of people, staring while standing on Adam's grave. Who knows? But one did appear the following night, by which time we were back home in London. That was wonderful, and it reminded me of the sadly missed ufologist Marjorie Bomber, author of the famous book Gods of the Fields and the Skies. It's hard to find a copy these days, but if you do manage to get hold of one, you will find it enlightening. Let's hope that the spirit of Marjorie is still out there somewhere, shooting across the stars. Now, if the paranormal and unexplained mysteries is your thing, and if you're listening to this, then I'm guessing it might be, you might want to have a listen to another wonderful podcast. It's produced by Wesley J. Smith, who you've just heard. Here he is again to tell you about it. 
As Yet Unexplained is a new six-part podcast, written, performed, scored and produced by me, Wesley Smith. Over the next six episodes, I will be looking at some of the most famous and mysterious tales of the strange, paranormal and unexplained. Around 30 minutes later, again the family were alerted to blood-curdling screams that came from the room. followed by a gunshot. If you were interested in The Unexplained, then this show is for you. I will be delving into cases of UFOs, hauntings, folklore, murder, ghosts, historical mysteries, and things that simply cannot be explained. Essentially, these are the stories of the strange and unexplained. It will be up to you to give them an explanation. As yet, Unexplained can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Right, time to say hello to our next Oak Knight. It's Thomasina. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. My name is Oak Knight Thomasina. My strange story dates to the early 2000s. Um, at the time, I was living over in the northeast in Middlesbrough, and I was doing a lot of driving between Middlesbrough and Dumfries, which was where my now husband was working at the time. And on the day in question, we were travelling to Dumfries from Middlesbrough via Penrith. We were going to go and visit my sister for tea on the way up to Scotland. I was driving and the road that we took is the A66. Uh, this is um, the main route that takes you from the northeast to the northwest. It goes across the top of the Pennines. It's quite a long and desolate and bleak road, um, as you'd imagine, going across the top of the fells. Um, we were driving early evening, probably six, seven o'clock, and just after a place called Bruff, um, I was coming off the fells and I just got this really really strange sensation this voice in my head just said to me there's someone in the back of the car and it was only me and my husband and it was just the most strange feeling a feeling of malevolence there's something really baleful and malign in the back of the car and it sounds really strange and mental when I talk about it now but it it was just an absolutely overwhelming sensation that we were not alone in the car and to the point where I actually didn't want to have a look in the rear view mirror and my husband Derek he said to me he said what is wrong with you and I said there's someone in the car he was like, don't be stupid. I said, no, there is someone in the car. And I can remember that, like, the hairs on the back of my neck standing up and that horrible creeping feeling that you get on, on your skin. And he just looked at me and he went, what are you going on about? And it was, it was palpable. It was a palpable feeling of something in the back of the car with just, like, this overwhelming sense of malevolence. But then as literally as quick as that had come on it stopped and my husband said do you want to do you want to stop do you want to get out of the car i was like no no we'll crack on so we went to my sister's in penrith and um we had tea and my sister's partner he works for the highways agency and we were just chatting 
and um, my sister said, oh, it's been a really tough day for Martin. There was um, a fatal accident just after Bruff. And I was a bit like, oh, my goodness, that is, that's a really weird coincidence. And, and to this day, I, I still don't know whether or not it was just something that popped up in my head or what, but there was absolutely, definitely something really strange went on that day. And of all the things that you could think about driving along the road is imagining someone sitting or something sitting in the back of the car. I, I, I'm not a big believer in ghosts and stuff like that, so I, I, I kind of... It was just one of these things that sticks out in my head as being very strange. And, yeah, that's it, really. I haven't really got anything more interesting going Very spooky. Roadside ghosts can be some of the most enigmatic and mysterious. Thomasina's tale reminded me of the ghostly figure of a young girl that was sometimes seen on the site of the RAF Spanton Air Base. The apparition of the teenager could be seen waiting near where the entrance gates for the base would have been in the 1940s. What people saw was probably the ghost of Catherine Halpenny. Catherine was just 19 years old in 1944 when she was killed in a motorcycle accident. She lived a few miles from the base and was dating a flight sergeant stationed there. Tragically, they were both killed while speeding home from a dance late one night. Her boyfriend lost control of his motorbike on a patch of ice and the couple careened into a ditch only a few yards from the gates to RAF Spanton. It was a year or two later, after the war, when sightings of an apparition first began. The young girl always appears troubled or anxious, as if waiting for her boyfriend to collect her. Some witnesses have stated that the spectre is accompanied by the scent of decomposing flesh. Well, that's all we have time for on this special Oak Knight episode of the Occultaria of Albion audio files. It's beginning to get dark and I need to go and set up my infrared motion camera in some nearby woods. I'm sure there is some sort of cryptid lurking in the undergrowth. Of course, it could just be badgers. Still, very magical. Thank you to Oak Knight Wesley and Oak Knight Thomasina for sharing your experiences. Until next time, Occultarians. And remember, the wolves of weird are loose. <laughs>